I'm Taffer. And I'm Caddy. Welcome to Yeah, the show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! We'd like to take this time to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and the indigenous communities of that area. So it's spooky season. It's... Dark and terrifying thing season. I guess it's time for us to jump in and see what bites. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but it was it was I felt it was appropriate. Appropriate. Thank you. Um, this week, Teffer and I uh, had the pleasure, discontent, ambivalent feeling, um, and we watched. Vampire Diaries season one mm-hmm. um, because nothing says Halloween season quite like a, an entire teen show set in a weird southern colonial town where a bunch of vampires have been <laughs> running amok for a bunch of years. Um, this TV show uh, it dates back to 2010 so uh, folks we're going to be spoiling it also, we only watched season one. I watched um, almost all of season one. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> okay. Don't you worry. Uh, I'll fill you in on the cliffhangers because okay. um, I, I'm going to spoil this ahead of time. I am uh, currently watching season two. <laughs> yes. I tried so hard and got so far. Had you watched Vampire Diaries during its original run? I had not read Vampire uh, read Vampire Diaries. I had not watched Vampire Diaries. I had so little context, in fact, for what I was getting into that for a significant period of time leading up to this, I thought we were watching Vampire Academy. Um, <laughs> the The books, the Vampire Diaries books, and then the TV show came out in a time when the YA market was so inundated with vampire content in the wake of the famous Twilight series um, that there was no way to keep up with all of it unless it was the only thing you read and I was in college at the time. Um, So recreational reading was thin on the ground and recreational TV watching was pretty much non-existent. Fair. Because the show came out before I was really watching TV in any kind of like way so i had no idea what i was getting into with this like none the only context i had was the snarky messages you were sending me about it while you were starting it (laughs) and i was just like oh no what is this gonna be yeah i mean uh just a a hit on the on the book so this the tv show is inspired by a book series that came out in two separate timelines uh one timeline in the 90s two books came out in 91 92 and then uh they re-released the series and expanded on it uh as of like 2009 uh which is when the show came out 
I was also uh, past the age of watching Vampire Diaries um, when it came out on TV. Um, but I had a bunch of friends watching it because the actors are um, brooding and have like, uh, yes, uh, very, very angular chins and things. <laughs> um, so I kept hearing about it, uh, but I think I was staunchly set against it, even though, uh, as we know, I am a diehard Twilight fan. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like the, sh- I think it felt like the show was stealing the thunder of my favorite cheese. So I needed to, I needed to ignore it for mm-hmm. a bit, um, but I was pleasantly surprised. So uh, the story—it's the story of uh, two uh, handsome vampire brothers, uh, Stefan and Damon Salvatore. Uh, uh, yep. We have to—we're gonna have to—we're gonna have to talk about—we're gonna have to talk about the tenuous Italian connection at some point. Oh boy. <laughs> yep, so they are uh, they became vampires in the 1860s uh, living in uh, through like the the, the um, that war in the, the, Civil, the American Civil War. <laughs> Everything is fine. Um, you know, that war that happened know, south at some point. Um, I, I made a hand gesture to go along with it and it was very regal. Um, it was, it was. Embarrassing. Um, but yeah, so they uh, have been vampires for like 150 some odd years and uh, come back to this little village where they, they originated, I guess, called Mystic Falls, where there is a teenage girl who looks exactly like their previous lover. Um, okay, hi. Brothers that shared a lover. Interesting. Um, problematic. Caddy's Cat- saying juicy. interested with like interesting with like the largest, most delighted, devious grin. Listen, white people read some interesting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like this idea, just the premise made me laugh so hard. The idea that this like super hot vamp- vampire lady um, in like yeah in the in the 1850s seduced brothers because she didn't know which one she liked more so she said i'm just going to compel the two of you to fall in love with me and i will use you as my playthings and manipulate you i think that's why it speaks to me honestly yeah it's because it strikes a a, a slight interest in my brain <laughs> I got it. I got it. There you go. Live psychotherapy. This is how it happens. Um, no, but that's it. So interesting, Caddy. Now this... tell me more about that. <laughs> Just don't ask me to tell you anything about my parents. I guess. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but okay. So so these two vampires are like both kind of in love with this teenage girl this contemporary teenage girl who has like a very dramatic store background story both her parents passed away in a car accident she was in the car we find out later on anyways it's a whole drawn out saga um she has a cluster of friends who are you know okay they're high school friends one of them is a witch woo bonnie and uh then there's more uh teen stuff there's like lots of issues with their history class and such and it's really a love triangle that turns into like a love square that turns into like a love triangle again and 
it's, I mean, it, it has, has a lesson series from 2010. It has, like it's, it has Bella say? Swan. It has Bella Swan syndrome where there is this uh, dark eyed, dark haired girl, white girl <laughs> who uh, literally every guy she comes across does heart eyes a wooga. Like it's like it's like when the little cartoon bunny like walks through the room and all the animals are like <laughs> like this is just like like she cannot enter a room without every and this is okay so like I was pleasantly surprised by the series I yep. it is like Twilight meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer I like yeah. both of these things I did not expect to get sucked into it I am absolutely going to now watch the series like. It's sexy, it's cheesy, it has just enough intrigue, it's extremely pretty. It has absolutely sucked me in. While I have been wa- reading, watching, oh my god, I am, okay, I can't, I can't speak today, guys. I don't know if you ever have those days where, like, your tongue is just, like, a little bit laggy. I just, like, feel like, blah, blah, blah. so I'm sorry, I'm talking weird today. So I'm watching the series, and then I was on a train I went to Ottawa on Thursday, so I took the train like from Montreal to Ottawa in the morning and Ottawa to Montreal in the evening. It's a two-hour ride either way. I very ambitiously brought embroidery and did not work on it at all. And so on the train ride back, I was like, I want to read. What do I have on my Kindle app? I barely ever use my Kindle app. I use it when I cannot find a book for this show. So, or like it's a book that I don't want to pay and like have a book for so what I ended up (laughs) reading (laughs) on the train on the way back was Midnight Sun by Stephanie Myers (laughs) which like guys if you thought Twilight was bad (laughs) if you thought if you thought Bella Swan's perspective was painful um Reading the same story from Edward's perspective is is akin to torture, but like the kind of torture you can't stop. It's like sexy torture. It's terrible. It is problematic on like every damn level. Yes. We did an episode on this. Please feel free to listen to it because we had a lot of opinions. But I hadn't read it. I don't think I was on that episode. Mm. I hadn't read it in full yet. If I'm on that episode, oops, I just showed my ass. Uh, (laughs) And I couldn't put it down. So I'm reading this ridiculous vampire book where Edward is like, Bella doesn't understand how every time she walks into a room, every boy's eyes bug out and a string of drool hits the floor and they go, (laughs) and this is just like this show, Vampire Diaries, also got the Twilight treatment. Like the first shot we get of uh bella my bad uh what's her name uh elena elena whose mother is isabel it's just very i guess that was written in the 90s to be to be fair but yes um the first shot we get of her is like frame for frame a shot we get of bella in the twilight series like coming over her shoulder she like turns her head she bites her lip it's like it is it is like immediately clearly capitalizing on the twilight franchise yes um and then also you know we have um damon what's the actor i always forgot the actor's name but he is in summerhalder fucking hot and he's not even my usual type 
like I don't usually go for little pointy men and yet the way he like the way he uses his expressions the control he has over his face like he's such a talented face actor he is but he's also like, old like he's been around he's been in teen shows since i was a teen yeah so. and he, he looks 35 in this show like <laughs> he he's supposed to have been like turned into a vampire at like 19 or 20 but he looks 35 which is maybe why he is the most appealing to me yes <laughs> Yes, he is attractive, um, but it, it, attractive in that like late nineties, early two thousands, like lesbian, like basically the haircut of a lesbian. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably like probably why I find him very attractive is he gives very strong lesbian vibes, and I'm attracted to that. Vampires are queer. Oh, yes, canon. Like, you cannot, like, be a vampire who is straight. Like, I know Edward tries, but, like, (laughs) to be a... I mean, we could get into queer theory, and I know we could both get into queer theory because we both know way too much about it, but, like, vampires being the other, being outside of society are inherently, like, according to the descriptions that you get in queer theory, queer. And so I think it is fine to say that Ian Somerhalder in this show has queer vibes up the wazoo and, like, he has the Spike thing. So that's the thing. Mm -hmm. Like, in Buffy, Spike, terrible, evil, villainous creature, no conscience, absolutely terrible. Holy I just yeah. mm. that 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 character <laughs> was hot. <laughs> yes. So so I mean, Vampire it's, Diaries is it like yeah. if somebody took the Spike and Angel dilemma from Buffy and then Angel and then dropped Bella Swan into the middle of it instead of <laughs> Buffy. I really like that comparison. Actually, that's that actually works quite well. And then there's a little bit of True Blood that comes that pops in. It's See, I haven't really... seen True Blood yet, and oh, I know I have to. I know I have to. You'll enjoy it. Um, but it, it, there's a little bit of that like uh, southern hierarchical vampire kingdom kind of situation happening, and uh, which is which is also kind of interesting and and i mean where else to set something of this weirdness than like in a small village in the south like a nondescript area where you know the 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 civil war is still very much at the center of everyone's day-to-day um there's yeah some interesting (laughs) things now, I think that probably by 2010 standards, this show was doing daring things with regard to race and something. Oh, yes, because the witches are black. <laughs> the, witches are, the witches are all black. Um, <laughs> so are. far, anyway, but I think this continues. We yeah, do it get, seems to track. We do get Gina Torres as a hot witch, which is, I really was hoping her character would stick around longer. We also get Jasmine Guy from uh, playing the grandmother from A Different yes. World. 
that for me made me uh, feel instant kinship to the show because mm-hmm. I was like, well, if you can hire this person, you can't be that bad. Like, even though we don't really see her on TV anymore, I don't mind. Like, she just made me feel in- like this show is mashed potatoes. I think that's <laughs> what I'm saying. It is comfort food. Mm-hmm. It is a comfort TV show that you can watch and like fall asleep in front of and not care and just keep watching it. I'm just going to rail on the storylines here because there are too many stories that happen in one single season Mm. um it is yes too much there are like three or four season finales before you get to the end of season one and like this is a full 23 season 23 episode show uh, per season and it's nuts like there was too much in that first season just from like establishing who the characters are and still having them go through like at least each of them like four to five traumatic events um and it's it's a lot the interpersonal relationships dive very deep over the span of like a quote-unquote year and it is it's dizzying at a certain point. And then at some point, I think like around like episode two or three, I was like, all right, Jesus, take the wheel because this is not like, this is no longer like we are not in Kansas anymore. So we've just got to let go and accept that these story arcs, I almost said arches, but yes, um, these story arcs are going to like make absolutely no sense. It is pure narrative chaos. Okay. (laughs) The um, I think the body count is higher than Grey's Anatomy. Holy cannoli! The they go through characters <laughs> like they have them to spare. Like don't don't get attached. Don't get attached to anybody because um, everybody is gonna die. Uh, yes, and like I think that like. The the most kind of like staggeringly comical thing to me is how these like objectively horrific things keep happening to these characters. And they, especially Elena, kept being like, I know it's been three months since my parents died. I really should be over it by now. The show explains why so many millennials are so messed up. <laughs> Um, it truly, truly encompasses why we are broken. There is this idea that like, okay, I went to Cotillion. I almost died. Um, it is fine. I must take care of the clothes drive uh, for the community center the next day. Um, like it is absolutely baffling. <laughs> I, yeah. I I just want to say one thing, Caddy, that I really appreciate about doing these episodes with you is that you call every high school dance a cotillion. <laughs> and it just, is it, is it a French thing? No, it, it's because it makes me laugh because there is one in every show. It, it just like, it no elevates sense. it. It elevates it. It's a marker of class. It's true. Yeah. It's a marker of class. Mystic Falls is a rich city. Yeah. Um, it is. It No, it is a rich 
town. Let us call it what it is. Um, but yes, the cotillion brings it up. This one has a founder's ball, yeah. uh, which tells you that this the town is racist. And oh. um, <laughs> and uh, there's a there's a masquerade ball, and there's like they they have social events every couple of weeks, yeah. clearly. Yeah. And you need an entire yearly budget to buy gowns because. Ooh, otherwise you can't recycle your clothing in this show. Well, at one of the events, they did do a 50s thing where I think she was wearing jeans and, okay, I just, sorry, I have to take a moment to memorialize the early 2010s take on 50s fashion. Oh, it's bad. Oh, my God. She's wearing, you know, because it is 2010, she's wearing skinny jeans and a, a very long top. Um, and then she's wearing a wide belt, not at her natural waist, as might be worn in the 50s, but directly under her boobs, um, just snugged right, right on up there with the bra band (laughs) and then has like a wide headband and like a 60s pompadour with Mm -hmm. long straight hair, um, and sneakers. And this is what she's wearing to the 50s decade dance. There are people at this dance who are wearing much more believable 50s attire. And somehow her vampire boyfriend, who was alive in the 50s and shows her, you know, how to swing dance briefly, does not tell her, baby, what are you wearing? This is all wrong. No, he does not. Because he's too smitten. His eyes are going awooga. They are. It is. The, okay, so let we can talk about the. We are jumping from topic to topic so hardcore. Let's talk about the fashions. Because I do think it is worth mentioning that never should we reprise the fashions of, like, basically 2000 to 2015. But like, they're going I, to. I know, but... I don't want to live in a world where that is okay. Like these like low rise jeans with very wide bell bottom, like with, with like a serious boot cut. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it just, it makes no sense. All the belts. So many belts. belts. And the skinny scarves. And the skinny scarves. But the skinny scarves are very convenient because they can hide the fact that your boyfriend vampire has been snacking on your neck, which, That's like, true. can't we all relate, really? But it's, like, 16-year-olds wearing the accessories of a 49-year-old. It, it's it's very challenging. A lot of uh, uh, sweater sets so also, um, which uh, I, I find an assault to the senses. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the male fashions are just... Uh, horrible everything is shapeless mm-hmm. um shame on us truly shame on us we bought these clothes we accepted this was the style at the time and it is just bad the justin bieber haircuts um truly like all these all the, this cast is like stellarly beautiful the justin like they bieber... are very very pretty but they are not they're not like Mm, made to look their best the justin bieber haircuts i do have to give a shout out because lesbians like Mm. lesbians had those and the first butch lesbian i remember just having the biggest crush on and having no idea what was actually happening she had one of those and she would wear a lot of flannel and so i have a little bit of a soft spot for the Mm. bieber haircut because it was truly a lesbian iconic fashion of the day 
<laughs> there was a world of judgment in that okay. <laughs> there was a there was a galaxy of judgment. But it's judgment and empathy, Teffer. <laughs> I will say that Jeremy looks much better once he pushes his hair out of his face. Now oh, I am gosh. 65 years old because I uttered that sentence. I mean, yes, that is true. It's absolutely ridiculous. But yes, um, oh man. <laughs> there are so many characters. You know, we yeah. started this off, we were like, we're not going to be able to fill 45 minutes just talking about this show. But like, there are so many characters. It's too many. And I think that the important bit is just that like, everyone is pretty. Everyone can kill you in some way, shape or form. Or if they can't, they have some form of ring. Um, <laughs> like <laughs> the roles of the role of gaudy jewelry in this series so um, as a protector is interesting. I think there might be a racket behind it of like antique dealers who are like, we need to get rid of these clunky theater pieces, but. It's- it's really like the only way you can make a piece of protective jewelry is if it is hideous. And then it's like, it's hilarious because she's taking this absolutely hideous necklace that you could have bought like a, a stand on St. Catherine Street and mm-hmm. being like, this is so beautiful. It's going to go with everything. I'm going to wear it every day. But you know what? This was the era of the owl necklace so oh dear goodness um yep how i mean we got what we deserved i guess at the time okay i'd like to talk about the adults in this story for a moment (laughs) (laughs) i wonder what she's going to say what does what adults (laughs) there you go where the fuck are the adults Seriously, this town is overrun by 17-year-olds, and it's an issue. How does anything happen? Because they are, like, also, this is a town of, like, 12 people. Because everything centers around, like, hanging out in at the grill, which is basically a restaurant with a pool table. And that is where all the youths hang. And also their parents or guardians. And also their teachers. Like... It makes no sense, and there is no adult intervention, period. The only adults that want to intervene are part of a, like, secret society where they kill them. They're basically the, like, supernatural clan. Let's call them what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, like, seven of them, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. That is it. There are no other adults. The adults are all gone. They have abandoned ship, and they're just like, hey, all the youths are going to... All the 17-year-olds will figure out how to save us. It's made no sense. It's sort of like uh, Paw Patrol. Where it's like, like, why is this 10-year-old and his dogs handling every crisis that hits the town? It's sort of like, why are the teenagers um, the only people in this town? Once again, millennial trauma, parentified um, young people. Um, It is. But this really, like, watching it, I kind of, I I had a bit of an aha moment where I was just like, hey, like, this is actually better representation of what's wrong with us than, uh, you know, I think uh, Dawson's Creek, which was my uh, benchmark Mm -hmm. TV show. But this one really just, like, shows you how messed up we were as a generation. Yeah. 
and I think like why a lot of us are in therapy and how like <laughs> are raising children who are very emotionally balanced um, and who are not seeking perfectionism at all times. It really shows this like uh, this and and the gendered aspect of these expectations that are placed on these characters are um it's 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 quite intense it made me uncomfortable at times and then i remembered that i could yell at the tv and i did yeah i did a lot of yelling yeah agreed there there every you. everybody is alone and i some part of me thinks that it is deliberate for exactly of the course. reason that you just said that it's that it's that critique i would like to talk a little bit about um <laughs> the confederateness of this town there's there's a funny little thing. So like so often, almost always when we get Civil War media, the good guys are Union side, right? Whether they're Northerners or like the one Southern town who was sympathetic with the Union. Mm-hmm. But it's a Confederate town and the vampires are like rounded up and killed by the Confederates. And this does a very interesting thing, especially if you have, like, grown up in the U.S., had the Civil War or in the, like, somewhere outside of the South. I I know that some places in the South are, they're still teaching from a Confederate sympathetic uh, point of view. But, like, you're, like, kind of trained to see the Confederate army as the bad guys. Hmm. And so then when you have the Confederates being the ones to target and round up the vampires and kill them, it creates a really interesting tension there of kind of who is the bad guy here anyway, which I think is what the show is getting at. I think that is a thing that the show is doing deliberately. But it's really interesting (laughs) i mean it's more of it's that's the question for me is like is it because everyone is bad or i don't get it like they clearly position stefan and damon to be like resistant to support the confederate army at like from the get-go from jump these two are like "Mm -mm, we -hmm. want nothing to do with this i think damon is a deserter and things like that now but there's also a lot in this show to like, there's a lot of, not I don't want to say glorification, but there's a lot of like love to, for the South that is portrayed throughout the, the show. Mm-hmm. Um, the kindness of the people, the heritage, the blah, 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 blah. They don't shy away from talking about the fact that like, hey, plantations have slave quarters and, and, and things like that. Like, so... Yeah, I don't know in what way I would see the Northerners as bad. I don't think that the Northerners are framed as bad. The Northerners are kind of absent. The Union That's is fair. kind of absent. It's kind of mm. like Confederacy and others. Um, mm. And that's what I find really interesting is that the vampires and like even Damon and Stefan before they're turned are kind of earmarked with the vampires because they're anti-Confederate. Because they're deserters. They're set as kind of... Yes, that's true. ...other from the... I'm super, like, I'm over-analyzing the shit out of this because that's what I No, I love it. And so we get the sense of, like, the vampires are other. The Confederacy is the general population. Mm. And that, in a show that does frame predatory vampires as bad guys also flips the narrative a little bit and i do think it's a no one is innocent kind of thing Mm -hmm. but i also i just 
I mean, I don't think I'm deep enough into the show to like have a fully fledged theory on it yet. Mm-hmm. But that the fact that vampires often have women as their most powerful. Yes. Um, the fact that the vampires have a hierarchy that is not related to race or sex or class. It's really yep. related to the power you have as a vampire. I'll just say it again, like vampires are queer. Vampires are set up as the category of otherness. And I think contrasting the category of otherness with a category that we think of as villainous. Mm, mm. Thank makes, you for clarifying. Yes. Yeah, it makes the environment more complex and more rich in a way that I find extremely engaging. Absolutely. And this is like a, uh, I mean, this is a big network TV show. And while you do see, you know, some of the bells and whistles behind, like there is clearly like uh, a lot of thought that goes into it. So you're right. I do think, I do agree that like this framing is leading us to something. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kind of, I'm so, slightly starting to see where where we're going um because of season two mm-hmm. um and because they introduce characters who are like the ancients and or the originals Ooh. or whatever like the og vampires um so i think that that i think that that's going to be shaken up because they seem to come from europe <laughs> <gasps> okay 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 that reminds me the italians yeah okay damon and stefan are Italian. Their father's name is Giuseppe. But is played by like the guy from Sex in the City that like <laughs> um Samantha hooks up with for a really long time. Uh the Richard Dick. There you go. That guy. Their last name is Salvatore. Not Salvatore, but Salvatore. It is hilarious to me. Like their <laughs> father, Giuseppe Salvatore, is supposed to be like a first or second generation immigrant italian immigrant (laughs) who is just like the most like southern gentleman you've ever seen but his hands are made of wool and that should tell you that like he is from probably a a foreign land his hands are made of no his pants (laughs) (laughs) like you see it in one of the scenes like he's clearly wearing like woolen pants woolen like burlap not burlap but like yeah like a, a less comfortable, like a less distinguished okay. type of pantaloon. And only Italians do that. <laughs> I mean, personally, stupid. personally, I think they should have leaned into this. I think, I think Stefan should be like Stefano. I think, um, I don't know what the Italian version of Damon would be. And he, I understand he has to be like demon. So like, I don't know. Um, but I want to see these boys with like full on Jersey, like jabron accents. <laughs> like that is the only thing that could make this show better for me. Is oh like, hey, what do you think you're doing? And I'm I really bad at this. If Tom was here, they could do it. They do a very good imitation of this of it, which is ridiculous to me because I'm the Italian. But <laughs> that is quite funny. Yes, it's very particular because. They pick two actors who are distinctly not Italian to play very Italian characters. It's like, let's be respectful to the fact that, like, let's be, let's be respectful to Italian culture, folks. Like, there's heritage there. There is 
folklore. There is, there is, there is tradition to respect and there is no respect for it I mean, it is like italian is seen as plain white and i find that interesting because every italian i've ever met has been very clear about they're like we are not white well we and, are, we are uh, zesty but we are not white um and if we're talking about the 1860s italians were not seen as white exactly. in america like yeah exactly. italians were were quote unquote colored at the time like that was the categorization it's why we get along yeah <laughs> i'm spicy white i really like garlic <laughs> um, so we do get to see stefan slicing mozzarella and <laughs> i love how you call him stefan like in french oh no when the character's name is stefan i can't say that's amazing because it makes him so much more latin <laughs> We're calling him Stefano Salvatore over here. Um, and he does say that he loves garlic, you know. He does. So, so. He decorates his house with intention. There is a lot of um, beautiful carved it's things and, they, and portraits. They do unbutton their shirts kind of low a lot. That's very Latin. They like to wear a suit. But it's... <laughs> And and gaudy jewelry. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> and I just like I just I was just watching it and like when I found out their last name was Salvador, I was like, are they supposed to be Italian? Like I was like, which way are they fucking this up? Like <laughs> I was like, do they think Salvador is a Slavic name or do they think Stefan is an Italian name? Like what? Anyway. It's silly, yep. but it's silly in a way that I appreciate. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And I really hope that they play into it because the show also, I will say, um, seems to be able to make fun of itself. Oh, um, it's there so are, funny. Exactly. It's there so are a funny. lot of like a lot of Twilight jokes, um, a lot of like uh, jokes about like, you know, precocious teens and things like that. So it, it does have a pretty good sense of humor. Like, my hope is that they really poke fun at themselves about this Italian stuff later on, because it makes absolutely no sense to me. It Maybe. makes no sense. They could have just called themselves, like, just, like, solve or, like, anything. Just, like, chop Salvatore. off the Oh, e no, Salvatore is their like, last name. Yeah, that is their last name. That's almost what I said. Maybe, Chom, you can edit that out so that we sound smarter <laughs> than we actually are, because this is actually absolutely ridiculous. Severio. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> well you could have called them smith truly it wouldn't have made a difference to the maybe, story so far maybe their mother was like russian <laughs> oh damn <laughs> oh damn and no, they were property truly, owners in virginia no think about it with a, a, a like two immigrant parents these guys would speak many languages and they would be Far better behaved. <laughs> it's true. I mean, Nobody's immigrant got a parents get it done. Yeah. <laughs> they, they just yeah. get it done. Yeah. yeah, this, look, I'm going to keep watching this show. Um, I still think that I prefer Twilight. Um, where does Vampire Diaries fall for you in, like, canonical vampire media? This is a very difficult question for me. <laughs> I think partly because I feel like I am new to vampire lore. I have never really, like, gotten into it. And I think I am mm. now getting... I mean, I say that. I have watched all of Buffy. I have watched all of Angel. And I have watched all of Twilight. So 
<laughs> I mean, what more do you need, Trevor? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I really like Vampire Diaries so far, honestly. Like, I find that it combines some of my favorite elements of both Twilight and Buffy, like I've said. I think Buffy still kind of wins for me for the camp. Mm. Like, there, it loses points for the Joss Whedon. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, for the fact that it was my first... But I... Oh, but if you're talking about Twilight versus Vampire Diaries, like... I mean, I have to give Twilight props. I always have to give Twilight as props. People are still talking about Twilight. Twilight was a cultural event it in was. a way that Vampire Diaries was not. True. But if we're talking but. about, like, my personal enjoyment, I kind of like a TV show. Like I like the format. It, yeah. suits, it suits this kind of, like, silliness. And it falls so much in the vein of, like, other stories that kind of use the fantastical, like um, uh, Once Upon a Time or mm-hmm. Grimm or, you know, there's something very similar there that like just catches you and you just kind of, you're, you're super willing to be gullible yeah. for this show. You're willing to accept a whole bunch of stuff and not think about it twice mm-hmm. because this is like calorie starved, like just pleasure. Like, it's just, like, there's no nutritional value here. This is just, like, content for pleasure. It's very casual with the lore as well in a way that I appreciate. Like, Twilight is extremely serious about its lore. Stephanie Meyer kind of reinvented vampire lore with Twilight um, and really kind of threw out all the Bram Stoker stuff and was just like, I am inventing what vampires are now. Uh, And the only thing I'm keeping is that they drink blood. (laughs) <laughs> and the it's true um and what i kind of appreciate about vampire diaries so far is that they don't really explain shit like <laughs> you're just like they just show you things about vampires and you accept them because like i don't, I don't know about vampires yeah, um, there you go. and i think that is a a fun way to create a show i, I appreciate it i appreciate the chaos of it Yes, it's a chaotic show and it's okay because it's really contained. <laughs> it's really, really well contained. Any other thoughts on VD as I've affectionately started calling it? <laughs> Not going to touch that one. <laughs> I mean, it was too easy. Oh, so it was easy. too easy. I'm just going to I'm going to use it. Mm-hmm. I could go so many places, um, but what I'm I'm just going to say is that they take the diaries part of this title so seriously. <laughs> oh, yes. They the journaling. Are, they are absolutely committed to journaling. Everybody journals. Journals are a central part, central part of this story. Yes. Um, Stefan and uh, Elena, Elena, who I keep trying to call Bella. <laughs> bond over the fact that they both write in journals and then their ancestors journals become important and really truly the show would be nowhere without diaries so um that is commitment to the bit and i respect it (laughs) that's so true i mean this show probably inspired a generation of writers um and you know what i say thank you because there's bound to be something good to come out of all that 
Well, thanks for listening to Yeah. If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Yeah Podcast, and individually, I'm at Tefferbear. And I'm at Caddy underscore D. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons, Catherine Reshi, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tenhove, Chantal Thomas, Erica Stetchbury, Megan Jane, and Emma Cameron. We have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Public. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, subscribing on Spotify, and by sharing this episode with a friend. Uh, your biggest Twilight nerd friend, obviously. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by Tepper Jemian and edited by Tom Zalat and I, Hi Tom, as part of Podcavern. You can find out about all the great shows on the podca- in the Podcavern at podcavern.com. Caddy, you know what I just realized we didn't talk about at all in this episode, cool. which we always talk about in vampire episodes? Well, cool. who can get some? Vampire boners. Yeah. This show does not give me a boner. <laughs> oh, we differ in that respect. Folks, if yeah, you want to hear, okay. <laughs> no, you wanna okay. hear more about okay. vampire boners, check out our all of our Twilight episodes. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. Hi, everyone. I'm Tong. I'm Sam. And I'm Laura. And we are... Disney Dummies! Dummies! Look, we know there are Disney super fans out there, but even the superest of fans could still be Disney dummies. That's why the three of us are on a quest to watch every single animated theatrical release in chronological order, from Snow White all the way to whatever's out right now. We dive into each movie in detail, talking about fun facts, talking about the animation, hit you with some hot takes, our favorite reviews on the internet. We even talk about who fucks. I still can't believe that's an actual segment. So join us every second Wednesday for another episode of Disney Dummies. And Pixar Pals when we finally catch up. Yeah. Yeah. Brought to you by the fairy tale whimsical depths of the Podcavern.